That's funny. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. Um, I'm going to have Christy put it up there for me. I have the Passion Translation, which I absolutely love. But I'm going to read it to you out of the New American Standard. It's so powerful. I'm ready when you are. Finally, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. It's good stuff. For our struggle. Somebody say our struggle. Our struggle. Oh, where are you at? Somebody say our struggle. Our struggle. Is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist, say resist, in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's good. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God grit dressed last week we talked about getting dressed in him and putting him on the Bible says specifically to put on the Lord Jesus how do I put him on I put him on by denying myself and allowing him to be the source in which I live. It's in him. It's, I love the word how it says it's in him we live and move and have our being. It's through him that everything comes into play for us. Uh, I love John too, what John says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And I love what it says about Jesus that all things came into being through him and without him, nothing came into being that exists. So you exist because of him. So without him, it's impossible to live. That's why when we are lost and we're running away from God, it's hard for us to really live in peace and hope and joy and all of that because we aren't in him the way he intended for us to be. Um, being dressed in him is what causes us to walk in his presence, his character, his passions, his dreams, and heaven's purpose. Walking in him causes heaven to collide with earth, and then the purposes of heaven become our purpose on earth. Man, is anybody alive today? You had that bad of a week? You should have put on the armor, then you wouldn't have. Wow. Okay, I'm just going to preach to myself. <laughs> you ready? Pastor Brandon and Jen, I'm going to preach to you. It's about understanding what this battle really is about. It's not about fighting in the flesh, but rather fighting from your true and original identity as sons and daughters, the beloved identity. He's trying to get you to understand that you cannot fight this war, you cannot fight this battle dressed in your own clothing, dressed in your own pain, dressed in your own hurt, dressed in your own worries, dressed in your own anxieties, dressed in your own sin. You can only win this battle when you are truly dressed in him. The full armor of God. What, were the, what was the full armor of God? The belt of truth. He is the truth. 
what dwells within you, the spirit of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. His righteousness, not your own. Your righteousness is as filthy rags, but his righteousness is pure and holy, and it causes change in our hearts. The helmet of salvation, it's his crown that we get to put on that identifies us as his beloved. Man, does any, anybody want to get rowdy this morning? Because I do. I'll do flips off this stage if I have to. The reality is this. He is calling us to live in beloved identity. We are beloved. We are his. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. You want to know how you're going to win? Is when you become beloved. We're going to fight this war way different than what the old church did. And I'm talking about grandmas and grandpas, how they fought it. They wanted to fight in the flesh and a lot of things they did. But God is calling us to fight in the spirit realm. He's calling us to fight in the heavenly places. He's calling us to be seated where we were called to be seated. The reason we're not seated in the heavenly places with Christ is because we have re-identified ourselves in the wrong manner. We are identified as sons and daughters of God. We are the beloved. When you take off beloved, you take off him. And therefore you start trying to live by yourself. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 1 through 6. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Hang on before you go anywhere else. Showing tolerance for one another in love. When we don't put on beloved identity, then we begin to see other people as our enemy. Right? That's why Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Why are you trying to wrestle against people that are not your enemy? You are trying to wrestle against people that have a spirit on them that needs to be wrestled with by beloved identity and by the light of the kingdom. Yes. Where am I today? I'm you, lost. You man. know, but he, Paul said we wrestle. We wrestle. We either wrestle against the things that are going on in our life. But we're going to, it says we're going to wrestle. It's, it's not going to be like, well, I'm okay. I don't have to wrestle with that. I'm just going to scoot that aside. Do you see what I'm saying? Because Paul said, for we wrestle, but we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against spiritual forces of evil in high places. One way or the other, you're going to wrestle. You're either going to wrestle with what's going on with you, or you're going to wrestle with spiritual forces in high places. Because there's weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God in pulling down. See, that makes me want to shout. Because when we, when we wrestle... You know when you wrestle at night and you're wrestling back and forth and you can't sleep and you're wrestling back and forth? It's restlessness. And the enemy likes to try to get us torn down and, and wrestle with our own selves, our own minds, our uh, other people. See, it's always this way that he tries to do this when we're supposed to be this way. But I want to read this. 2 Corinthians 10.4 for the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. I'll tell you what, let me say this. This is going to be a, this is a strong word today. This, this is no game to what he's getting ready to say to you. And each one, when you all start coming in, I've been at that door, I've been outside, and I keep, as you were walking in, I said, oh, oh something's getting ready to happen. Something's getting ready to happen. Something's getting ready to happen online. Because when I read this, 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm going to go to 3 to 6 in the message, powerful. The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. Are we right? Is that right? The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Hello. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. The weapons of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. But they are for demolishing entire massively corrupt culture. Are we at a place where there's a massive corrupt culture? Are we sitting there right at this very moment that there is a massive corrupt culture? We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. I don't know about you, but see, what we do is we just say, oh, okay, well, if that's what they're going to do, it's really okay. We use our weapons for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. I don't know about you, but see, we haven't been doing this. Everything that I'm reading, most of the churches are not doing at all. They don't care about erected things that are structures. Principalities are structures. It's evil structures that have been set up in the heavenlies that have been, they're just having a heyday, you know. They're structuring things. One thing, I don't care if it's in the government. I don't care if it's in the marketplace. I don't care if it's you having a SIM card. You having a card to put in. You think the enemy's not setting up structures? Hello? He's setting up structures in your mind. Some of you have strongholds in your mind that have been held against where you stand. That you're supposed to stand in the beloved. But you've got strongholds that have been setting up in your mind. Where there's been fear. Where there's been anxiety. Where, whether it's been rejection. That you've been molested and you still got a strong. Come on somebody. That you still got a stronghold in your mind after you've been molested 13 years. When you were 13. And that's still been sitting over your mind because that's a stronghold. And when the stronghold comes, it tries to talk to your mind. It has an access to you. It has an access to you. But God said that we have tools. We have weapons of our warfare that are not carnal. They're mighty through God in pulling down strongholds. Do you realize that you have weapons? Oh, no, I'm just dressed. When we were in the prayer room, I said, this is a front. We need to hold ground. I could say to them intercessors in that room, 
I've been in many prayer rooms in different places in different countries, but I could say there was no barriers in that room when I was praying this Somebody should shout. There was nothing but love in there. And we could accomplish what we were supposed to accomplish. But a lot of times we just put our armor on and we don't even pick up a weapon of warfare. Oh my goodness, you mean I got to go into warfare? I've had enough warfare in my house. You mean I got to go fight for something else? I mean, I got these battles going on with all this other stuff. And isn't it funny how a battle comes on and all of a sudden here comes another battle and here comes another battle and here comes another battle. And all of a sudden you think, oh my goodness, my car just broke down. I don't have enough food. My air conditioner just shut down. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God and pulling down strongholds. No, I'm just sick. No, I'm not sure if this is ever going to. I'll ever, ever feel better. No, I'm just, you know, I just have that. That's, you know, it's okay. No. By the stripes of Jesus, you're already healed. And they laid hands on the sick and they were healed. The elders came, laid hands on the sick and they were healed. That's a weapon of warfare. That has smashed something and put it down. But see, we don't think that way anymore. The church don't think that way anymore. We are just passive. And we sit back and we just say, okay, well, they talked about the armor and we just put the armor on. What are you going to do about it? I want to go just real quick, and I know there's some things that you have too. The first defense weapon is the Word of God. Right here. That's the word of God. The first defense weapon. If you do not pick that up, you don't have the sword of the spirit. How are you going to swing? If you don't wield the sword, the sword will wield you. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. See, some of us are always fighting for victory. Oh, no, I gotta, I've got to fight that. I've got to, I gotta take a, I gotta take that right there. And we do it in our own strength. We can't do any of this in our own strength. We have to rely on this right here. But see, sometimes you... I'm just going to get real. Some of you just do a little... I'm going to get real. Some of y'all just do a little devotion and think that's enough. How are you going to fight? Dig in this. Sharpen your sword. If If you don't wield the sword, the sword will wield you. And what I'm saying about that is when you pick up your sword and you know and you declare and you decree and you know a promise and you know a promise, you stick that sword and you wield that thing. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God said he'll raise up a standard against it. That's the word of God. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you're not going to have the word. Do you know that That in governments and in different countries, they've taken the word from people? You better start knowing the word of God so it can be in you, so you can wield the sword out of you. He said that sword was in his mouth. That Jesus came and the sword come out of his mouth. Why isn't the sword coming out of our mouths? If we are the beloved and we are in him, the sword of the spirit, Jesus used that weapon in the desert. 
When the enemy came to tempt him for 40 days, you think the enemy's not going to come and tempt you? He tempted Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He used the word. He used a weapon. Isn't it funny how the enemy said, man, if you'll just submit to me, you can have this whole kingdom. Jesus looks over and said, I am the kingdom. So if he lives in us, we have the kingdom inside of us. But see, some of you don't know your identity. You don't know the beloved. So you can't speak with authority because you don't have the authority. See, when you spend time with him, you know he's Papa, but you know he's the judge. You know he's the beloved. But I'll tell you what, don't mess with him. He'll split the water. He'll split the circumstance right in front of you. And all you can do is just stand there because when he obeyed, he said, just take your staff out there and just put your staff out. See, we have to obey so something can can move. We can't just say, oh, this is the word of God. That's good. I'll read that. When are you going to declare it? Because you're you're just sitting there with weapons on the floor. And you're wondering why you're going through the things you're going through because you don't declare and decree what it is. Instead, you'll just sit down and go, well, I'm sick. No, by his stripes, I'm already healed. Do you have to walk it out? By faith, you walk it out. That's a defensive weapon of warfare that you can literally pull down a stronghold, whether it's in yourself or somebody else. See, we get so caught up in ourselves that we lose other people. Other people are dying and going to hell as we speak. And we're so concerned about this swirling of all the things that are surrounded us that we can't even see outside to even see what's going on. Because, see, the enemy would like to keep you in your house. I'm going to shout. And keep you in yourself. So you won't do anything that you're supposed to do. That's a weapon of warfare. Next weapon. Prayer. I'm going to shout. This tore me up. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous will availeth much. Availeth means to produce or result. Prayer will produce something. It'll bring a resolve. It'll bring a result. The only way that you could really pray is you pray here. You have intimacy with him. Then you can declare something out. That's a weapon of warfare. The word, prayer, Worship. Uh. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and the army came against them to defeat them. So Jehoshaphat called an assembly of prayer and fasting. Fasting's a tool, too. Man, that thing's a weapon. Most of us just sit neat. You don't scoot your plate aside sometimes. Don't do it just because you're, you think, okay, well, I'll do that. No, that's a call. He called prayer and fasting. And he's, because that separates you. And let me tell you something, that'll eat up your flesh. You want something to, to, to take authority over your flesh? Try to separate from food. 
That will make your flesh, flesh go crazy. Or separate, if you've done coffee all your life and you separate from coffee. Got a headache and you're, you're grouchy and you're, come on. That's called flesh. He called an assembly for prayer and fasting. And during that prayer assembly, God gave him a battle plan. He gave Jehoshaphat. This army was about to destroy him. And he said, I'm going to step aside and put, go to prayer and fasting. Is there something that's getting ready to try to destroy you? And you need to separate yourself to go to prayer and fasting? And maybe you'll get a battle plan. Um, whether it's personally in your family. In the church. In our city. You think the enemy's not got set things up in structures for our region? See, when you look down and you just do little ground things right here, you never see what's really going on. And God said to, to Jehoshaphat, they won't need to fight because God is going to win the battle. Just watch what I do. So go ahead of the army. And he used the worshipers to go before them in praise. And so can you imagine? Now, just real quick. Can you imagine there's an army? Uh, now, think about it, especially some of you that's been in the military. You know, we haven't been in the military. Some of you have been in the military. You would know. Can you imagine, Larry? All of a sudden, there's an army in front of you, and I'm telling you, they're getting ready to destroy you. And so you scoot aside, and you pray, and you fast, and God gives you a battle plan, and your battle plan is to have worshipers go in front of you to worship and praise. You talk about going by faith because that doesn't look like something's going to win. So all of a sudden, that becomes a weapon of warfare and it ambushed the enemy. God went around and ambushed the enemy and every one of them were... Am I the only one talking? Can you hear me? Some of you haven't got into your worship. Some of you haven't got your praise on so the enemy can be ambushed. That's a weapon of defense. The word. Prayer. Worship. The name of Jesus. Aye. But it wouldn't look like it was supposed to be a be one as a battle wouldn't look like it because what are you what are you talking about praise and worship to go before a whole army and an army sitting there in front of them do you know satan hates worship satan hates prayer he hates the word of God because, see, he was Lucifer up in the heavenlies and he was the one right beside God in his worship. He was, he had pipes. The word of God says that he had pipes and he was literally the song. You know what, you know what his armor is? You know what the enemy's armor is? Pride. Some of you have an armor pride. Ay, ay, ay. And you wouldn't know if it looked at you to say there was a battle in front of you. See, some of you don't have eyes to see. Some of you don't even realize that the enemy is at your door. 
because you've been so used to the common thing over and over and over again that it becomes, it's a common thing to you. Oh, I've always had a headache. Oh, I got a headache again today. In my family was migraines after migraines after migraines after migraines. My mother sick in bed. My sister sick in bed. I said, I'm over that. And I started praying and I started fasting and I started asking God about it. My last headache was October 31st when I couldn't be at the Halloween thing, the harvest thing that we were having, whatever you want to call it. That was one of my passions to do that. But I haven't had anything like that since. And you know what? Every time I see somebody and they say, I'm not feeling good. I said, come here. It says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't think that this word and the things that are going on and what God's saying is not shaking something up. I'm shook up. Because, thank you for being shouting with me. You go ahead and shout, Bubba. I don't care. If you're the only one shouting, you're agreeing. But see, God's trying to say something. He's trying to raise us up. If we just had our armor and we never had our weapons to use, we're going to be defeated. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in pulling down strongholds. There's strongholds, not only in your mind. Strongholds are in minds. Your worst enemy is right here. It's between your ears. Right here. Your greatest battles right here. You can convince yourself of, of something. Oh, I'm good. This is who I am. That's how I was born. No, that's who I am. That's my identity. And you can convince yourself because you're not in the word of God to know. I'm going to read the rest of this. Pastor Jen's the one that said, man, listen to this. And she called me in 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to read the rest of this. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. I'm going to say it again. Fitting every loose... Do you have loose thoughts? Do you have loose thoughts? Every emotion and impulse. Emotion and impulse. Bringing it all into to Christ. Bringing all your thoughts into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. See, we are, we've been wandering too long. We've had too much impulse. We've had too much emotion of other things instead of bringing it into the obedience of Christ. Amen? Our tools are ready at hand, clearing the ground of every obstacle and building lies of obedience into maturity. We're at the place of building lives into maturity. If The only way that you can have maturity is if you allow God to teach you. When you quit being taught, you become rigid and hard. I don't care. I don't care if you've been a pastor for 40 years. I don't care if you 
Quit being teachable. You become rigid and you become hard. And I don't care about, I'm not talking about just teaching right here, right now. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about being taught as a mother, being taught as a wife, being taught as a husband, being taught as a friend. If we become rigid and we, we don't have that teachable, I can be teachable to you, Crystal, and Crystal, you can be teachable to me. See, we miss it. It's submission to submission. And when you, then when you're taught, you can learn and you can get up and you can be mature to what God wants. Amen? Christy, throw up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7 for me in the New American Standard. God spoke something to me Monday. Him and I had an encounter in the waterfall called a shower. And... Uh, <laughs> That's my place, man. Me and God talk a lot there. So, Keep your armor on. Yeah, with my armor on. Uh, what are you laughing about? All right. So, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Watch this. And raised us up with him. And seated, say seated, seated, us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yes. Seated in Christ in the spirit realm above all other spiritual forces in the place of authority. God began to speak to me about this grit dressed and what it looks like in the church when we become seated. A lot of us don't know how to fight battles because we don't do it from a seated position. That's one of the things that God really hit me with. He said, you're not going to fight this battle the way you would normally fight this battle. You are going to learn what I taught the early church, what Paul and Peter and all of them, how they dealt with the demonic realm and the spirit realm. He said, I'm going to teach you how to war in a seated position. For some of us, that's hard. Because some of us want to get up and do everything we can. We think we can fight in our own strength, in our own power, in our own authority, but we can't. He's teaching you to be seated in him because when you get seated in him, then everything, my God, everything that is under his feet comes under your feet. Y'all better get this. When we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus... Everything that comes under his authority, under his feet, therefore comes under our authority and under our feet. That means sickness, disease, sin, struggle, pain, all of it comes into subjection under our feet because we are seated in him in the heavenly places. I'm trying to teach you something. This is jacking my life up. Because I'm understanding more now today who I really am than I have over the past 24 years. And I know I've said that before, but I'm on a journey where God is just teaching me what it really, really means to be in him. Everything that is under his feet is under ours. We are seated in him above all spiritual forces. (laughs) Y'all get that? It doesn't matter what the enemy says he's bringing against you. You're seated above it because you're in Christ. 
That's powerful to me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How? Because when you get in Christ, you then become seated in him at the right hand of the Father. And when the Father looks over to look at you, he sees Christ in you, the hope of glory, and therefore relinquishes the authority and the dominion and the power that he put on his son. He relinquishes it to you as sons and daughters, as your beloved identity. Woo! Anybody want to throw something? I'll throw it. We fight from a seated position. The only reason we would lose a battle, you, you need to hear this. The only reason we would lose a battle is because of surrendering our position. If you are losing battles in this life, it's because you have surrendered your seated position in Christ Jesus. Because when you're seated in him, you can't lose. This is how... I fight my battles. I fight my battles from a seated position in him. That's why the word says in him we live and move and have our being. He is the core of who I am, but he is also the embodiment of who I am. Because it's his DNA that's in me. I got, I got some stuff I want to read to you. Is that okay? I wrote some stuff that I need to, to read with you. The struggles believers have in the physical realm make it seem as though our spiritual position in Christ does not exist. That we are not positioned far above all other spiritual forces in the spirit realm. Our fleshly struggles, now understand it says seem in that one. Watch this one. Our fleshly struggles cause us to feel as though we are being defeated and that we must fight to get back into a more spiritual condition. How many of you struggle with that? You fight constantly. Well, man, I failed. I failed. I got to get I got to get more spiritual. I got to get more spiritual. And what you end up doing is you end up trying to fight that battle from the natural realm instead of a seated position. And the reason you moved from your seated position is cuz you don't feel worthy to be seated anymore. Woo! But the reality is, is God is trying to show you that no matter how far you've fallen, you're his beloved. And remember what it says in John 15 in the Passion Translation, that those that aren't bearing fruit, he doesn't throw and destroy. He props them back up. He's trying to prop you back up and reconnect you to the source of power. He's trying to establish you back in the seated place so that you can walk in the authority and dominion and power again. But we don't fight God. for victory. We fight from victory. Yes. See, that's where the struggle is because we think that we have to fight for victory. We think we have to try to climb up this thing and get back into where we were seated before, but... His grace is sufficient. We've all fell short of the glory of every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Absolutely. But when his redemption comes, that puts us back in that seated position. Yeah. And, and I want to say before you finish that is there's three heavens. Heaven on, on earth. The second realm is a heavenly realm. It's a spiritual realm. And then we have the third heaven where you're seated. A lot of times people get stuck in between the first and second. Because the warfare in the second heaven is the, the, the war with demons and angels. Come on, somebody. 
If, if you haven't read the word, you need to read it because it's the truth. But if you are sitting in the third heaven, in the heavenly realm, you can declare and decree a thing from there. That doesn't mean, don't get lost to go, okay, no, I'm going to stay in my house for days and days and days. I'm going to stay in the third heaven. No, you walk and breathe and have your being in him. You can walk into the grocery store and you're still, he's in you. Can you imagine that God dwells in us? I mean, just stop to think about that. He is in us and he dwells in us. And there's times that he speaks to you. You need to obey like Jehoshaphat. Did he think that that was going to be that way? You know, whether we're seated and we're in that position, you still declare a thing right here, this word. You declare if we're seated with him, he is the great intercessor. He's the high priest. He sits at the right hand of the... And if we're seated with him, then we, we can do what he does. We have the kingdom of God in us. Amen. That which seems to be happening and that which feels as though we are losing the battle is the opposite of the truth that exists in the spirit realm. That sets you free. Because what you're doing when you unseat yourself is you begin to seat yourself in the second heaven where the battle's going on. You no longer have that authority or dominion over it because you've unseated yourself and brought yourself down to the enemy's level. So when you do that, everything seems away and everything feels away. But when you reseat yourself and you get back up into that seat, then you actually see what the real truth is. The real truth is you're an overcomer. The real truth is, is you are in him. You are in a position that permanently seats you in Christ at the right hand of the Father. My God, it is so powerful. When we walk in him and stay seated in him, then we become imitators of him. Jesus constantly stayed seated in the Father the whole time he was here. And one of the things that I love that Jesus said is he said, I don't do anything without first seeing the Father do it. We see the Father do things by staying in a place called seated, beloved identity, in prayer, in worship. That's how we stay there. That's how we know what the Father is doing. That's how we know how to move. Watch this. Therefore, we carry the light of who he is, and with it comes his wrath. Not wrath to destroy people, but the wrath to destroy what has been keeping you from real identity and being seated in him. Whew. Is that raw? I have seen, I'm telling you, I've never seen it like this in my entire life. I've always heard about the wrath of God and I've trembled and I've feared it because I have to pray every night to make sure my heart's right because if I don't, then the wrath of God's going to come and I'm going to miss the trumpet blast and I ain't going to go home. You can take your religious bull crap and get it out of my life because I will never live like that again. His wrath is not about coming to destroy me. His wrath is about going in me and piercing the darkness in me and destroying what the enemy was using to keep me from being who I'm supposed to be. Well, he, Moses used the staff because God spoke to him about that inside of him. 
And then he used that to separate the water to drown the enemy. And it's the same as that. That was a wrath. Whether there's plagues, whatever it is, it will destroy something so the kingdom of God can come. So the woman caught in adultery, one of my favorite stories, the Pharisees bring her out and throw throw her at Jesus' feet. In that moment, Jesus could have gone by the law that they had and stoned that woman, but instead he brought his wrath. His wrath is good. I need to get this in you. His wrath is good. You're like, how in the world could his wrath be good? It's so good that it destroyed the evil that was in that girl that was now sitting at his feet. It destroyed a lustful spirit in her. And it destroyed the religious spirit trying to convict her. Woo! My God. It caused them to shut their mouths. The wrath of God will always shut down the voice of the accuser that is in your ear. And it will permeate the darkness in you and cause it to flee to where you will have victory constantly over the very thing you struggled with for years. I want to throw something. I want to I throw something. That sets me free. That sets me free from everything I've ever been through. It sets me free from my past. It sets me free from my pain. It sets me free from addictions. It sets me free from all of it. Because I'm seated in him in heavenly places. And the same authority and dominion that he has, I now get to carry because of him. Woo-wee. That means every demon has to be under my feet. Everything that he is under his feet is under mine. Woo. My God, my God, my God, my God. <laughs> he destroyed that lustful spirit in that girl and destroyed that spirit of religion that is so rampant today. Trying to convict people and condemn people and destroy people. Let the I pray that this morning that the wrath of the Son of God would come into your life and destroy whatever's been holding you back. Shh. Understand, the Father was not about destroying you. If he was, he would have never sent his Son to die on a cross. You better hear me. He said, you're my beloved. Why would I destroy my beloved? But I am going to destroy the one that tried to take my seat in heaven that shouldn't have been there. He tried to play God, and so I had to throw him out of heaven. And now he's trying to unseat you with thoughts, with imaginations. In order for evil spiritual forces, I'm about to throw a microphone. (laughs) In order for evil spiritual forces to remove a believer from a spiritual position in Christ, Christ himself would have to be defeated, and that's impossible. It's impossible. He already said it is finished. He said it's done. It's over. The keys you thought you had are no longer yours, but now I'm putting it in the hands of my beloved. Let me read this real quick. Ephesians 3.10 says, His intent was that now, say now, come His intent was that now, say now, through the church, 
The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are the church. We are the beloved. We are the bride. He's preparing us to come and be seated with him. Not only are we seated in heavenly places, that's what it says. But see, we still have a journey from here to there. You haven't left yet, Kavaris. But you're still on a journey from, from here to there. We're still on a journey, but we have to be on that journey in that seated place. See, some of you are holding strongholds in your life. And you've allowed these places, just like Pastor Joshua said, that you've allowed to be seated somewhere else. And I don't care. I go back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I go back to the beginning of the service before COVID started, before that virus started, and Brandon stood right here with three chairs. And he said, you need to stay in the middle chair. You need to stay in that sonship. You don't need to lean over to fear. You don't need to lean over to the other side of that chair. You need to stay in the middle chair, in that position. But see, some of you are not even in the chair. You've went from fear to anxiety to panic to, you hear me? And some of you are just kind of leaning on the chair. I can still kind of do this, but I can still sit there and talk like I talk. And I can talk that Christian talk. I can do that on Sunday. I can put that mask on. But you act like hell when you go home. And you cheat and you lie and you do things that you're not supposed to do. I think the attention of God that he wants is he wants us to know where we sit. I love that about the wrath of God. I love that, that even though, I mean, the plagues came. Isn't it funny when all the locusts came and every, I mean, there were so many people going, are we got plague? What's going on? They're coming out of the ground. Thousands of them coming out of the ground and invading yards, people. It was invading. And it made people a little nervous because people know. I don't care if they're in this church or online. People know about the coming of the Lord. People know the things that are happening in this hour. We know. You think that darkness is not lurking and standing at the doors? Let alone your house. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. There is structures and things that have been built up that are trying to set things. Just read Revelations and you'll understand what's really going on. The enemy's got seven heads and ten horns. I see you don't want to talk about that. You think he ain't got certain things? If he's got ten head, seven heads, he's got a lot of things going on that he can maybe convince you of something. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But what, what else is weird? That there's two living creatures that sit at the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Maybe we're more weird than that. You know what I mean? But I think that the strongholds that have been holding people in their life 
And it's funny that we're talking, but I can tell you right now, as we've been talking, I can literally see ones that have been thinking, I, yep, yep, nope, I got that. Nope, I've held that since I was seven years old. Nope, I held that unforgiveness since 19. Nope, I got that. Nope, I still have a left spirit. Nope, and there, there is rolling in your mind. That's called conviction. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is searching the thoughts and the intents of the mind. Amen? Satan can only seduce believers in the thinking and believing that the truth concerning their spiritual warfare is gauged by the physical realm. That's so good. He tries to seduce you to think you have to fight in the physical realm, that that's where the battle is. That's where you'll get victory, and he's wrong. James chapter 4, verse 7. Throw that up there for me. This is so good. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You submit yourself to God, and then you resist. You resist what? You resist unseating yourself because of a lie that he's talking in your ear. One of my favorite things that Jensen Franklin has said is principalities use personalities. And sometimes what the enemy will do is he will try to get people around you. Sometimes it's your family. Sometimes it's your friends. Who knows who it is? But sometimes he will use people that have surrendered their seat and put a principality on them and then try to talk to you to unseat yourself. Understand, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. That's it. He can't make you do nothing. He can't force you to do anything. He can put the thought in your head and you act on it. That's it. That's all he's got. And he can try to use people around you, the closest people to you, to try to seduce you to come off the seat of sonship. I go back to Job, resilience, and how the enemy had to go up before God and say, what about your servant Job? You know, he's faithful. Can I, can I tempt him? And he goes down and he tempts him. He goes, well, then he comes back and he said, you know, but can I do some things physically? Can I do? He goes, you can do whatever you want, but you can't have his soul. And so there's the enemy trying boils and all these things. Job did not remove himself from the seat. Even when his wife said, curse him and die. You need to curse him and die. His friends were manipulating, trying to tell him, to, man, you were the, one of the richest ones here. Now, what would you do? Did you sin? Isn't it funny how you, you can go through something and all of a sudden, you got to get away from the people that are trying to manipulate. You need to get away from people that, that don't lift you up, but tear you down. You think that's not the enemy using principalities and rulers to try to tear you down to get you out of your seat? You better believe it. Do we have to check ourselves? You better believe it. Is there certain things? I don't watch. I don't watch certain things. I don't listen to certain things. I don't. I choose to sit in that chair. I'm going to sit in that chair with God. Isn't it funny how you have to go and all of a sudden you go to the gas station or you go to the grocery store and the next thing you know, you hear somebody F-bombing this and doing this and doing that. I said that, Brandon. Can you believe it? Anyway, but you know what I'm saying? 
But no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every lying tongue that rises up against me shall fall. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You can go and change an atmosphere. And let me tell you, another weapon is love. Love never fails. Love is unconditional. I'm talking about the love of the beloved. I'm not talking about your lust. Hello. Because we're dealing with that in here. Because I sense it. That's a stronghold. Nobody will know. Man, I started thinking about this and that. And I dreamed about this. and Nobody will know. That's a stronghold. If you entertain it, it'll get stronger and stronger. And it'll build up in your mind. And then you'll manifest it by doing something what it wasn't you're supposed to do in lust. And then the next thing you know, you're in pornography. I'm Because you keep doing the same thing, it's, it will be sin, and then eventually sin is death. What the enemy wants to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care how he does that. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it. Not only life, but abundant life. But you have to choose to sit in that. You have to choose to stay away from that and get away from what the enemy's trying to do. Daniel, I want you to come. I was reading another passage and I want to share it with you because I think it goes right along with this. We fight from a seated position in Christ Jesus, right? Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Understand, Jesus was teaching us this. He's the one talking about this. He's the one saying, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why? Jesus said this because he knew that the price he was about to pay would cause us to be seated in him and that authority and dominion to bind and release would be one of the weapons he would lavish on us. Because we're seated in him in the heavenly realms, it gives us the authority to speak like he would and release and bind things from heaven. <laughs> Think about that. It is. It gives you the ability. How did, how did he create the earth? He spoke it. The only thing he handcrafted was you and I. And he even talks about Adam and Eve forming Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground. But then he talks about the birthing process because of the fall and how he fashions you in your mother's womb. Jeremiah talked about that. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He already has you in a place called seated as a son. Now he's teaching you how to get there how to stay there, and now he's saying, because you're here with me, now I give you the authority, the same authority I had, to bind and loose, but watch. But Jesus later on says, but greater works than these will you do, because I go to the Father. I gotta go to the Father and sit at his right hand, but your spirit, when it is connected to me, will sit with me. So when you bind something or when you lose something, he doesn't hear your voice. He hears mine because you're seated in me next to him. Oh, 
we you're seated with me so whatever you ask will be done we don't believe that because we don't live it we are I told you last week I prayed it at the end that we are transitioning into something new. I sensed it last week, and I'm going to tell you again. We are trans transitioning into a new dimension. We're going to fight new demons. We're going to fight new things. But we're not going to do it the way we've always done it. We are going to be seated in him, and they're going to be under our feet at all times. They will never have dominion. They will never have authority. We're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see miracles like we've never seen before because people... People are going to actually get seated in him. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. When I sit in him and I speak from him, the Father listens and reacts in a moment. So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Go ahead. I feel like there was just this teaching released over you because I think you need to understand that you're more than who you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> you're more than who you think you are. See, you've, you've unseated yourself for a long time and therefore all you've heard is the lies that everybody else has told you. That the principalities have been telling you Telling you you're this, you're going to be like your mother, you're going to be like your father, you're going to be like this, you're going to be like that, you're going to carry this, you're going to carry that. And God's going, no, 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 no. Today I'm going to teach you how to be seated because when you get in that heavenly realm seated in me, you're going to begin to hear the truth of who you really are. You're my beloved. You're my beloved. That's how I fight my battles. I will never fight my battles the same again. I'm going to stay seated seated in him and everything has to get under my feet because it's under his I had to open this back up because I was reminded of when I was just sitting for hours thank you Pop and Mackenzie for just allowing me to do that for almost two days I sat and I just waited on God and I wrote this down a stronghold creates smoke screens of excuses, delusions. It creates inner captivity to dis listen to, to deception and misery. A stronghold keeps a person from thinking clearly. It's a smoke screen, it's a delusion. It's a misery that holds you captive. And I started thinking about and I went back to the only reason I can say this because I've been free from this of a stronghold a sexual stronghold because of being raped when I was 13 if someone is abused verbally or sexually a stronghold of worthlessness may build a stockpile of neg 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 negativity and thoughts like I'm guilty no one loves me I'm not good enough. I'm ugly. Nobody cares. No one really wants me. That's called a stronghold. I'm just giving you an example of something. If you've been abused, you've been 
sexually abused. I'm not talking about just here, but I'm talking about an example. That brings strongholds for negativity and worthlessness and nobody cares anymore because you were violated. So it builds a stockpile up in your thoughts and it brings delusions. It brings smoke screens to your life. I don't, I'm just giving the example of that sexual thing. I'm talking about in any area of your life. It brings them smoke screens in your life and delusions in your life. And it makes you convince you that you're okay where you sit. Well, I'm here to tell you, you are not okay. You are not okay where you sit. And I know that God wants to set some people free in here today. I want you to stand with me. I want all of you that have been listening to the lies of the enemy and feel worthless, feel abandoned, feel rejected, feel hopeless. Whew. Those of you that are struggling with your identity, those that feel powerless, those that feel weak, those that feel rejected, I, I'm just going to do it like this. I want you, if that's you, I want you to begin to make your way up front right now. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be bothered by it. Because the reality is, is he wants to seat you in him, in the heavenly places. Come on. We're going to give you a few minutes. And if that's you, just make your way up. Come on. Because today is the day. Today is the day to make the change. See, what happens is if you don't hear the voice of what's being said, then the enemy will give you another stockpile when you walk out the door. All he'll do is add more to you because then he's, he's going to try to manipulate. He's going to try to bring a smoke. Oh, my God. He's going to try to bring a smoke screen to you. And all I kept thinking about when you were just saying what you were saying is, okay, so the rest of you are warriors, correct? So the rest of you that are out there in your chairs are warriors that are going to be able to take authority and going to be able to do, take dominion over something. Or are you trapped right in the middle of where you are? I think there's a hurry in it. I think there's a hurry in it to... Jesus, you see, you see, you already see, you already know, Holy Spirit. You already know, Holy Spirit. Pray, God, that as, as the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable unto thee, that we have spoke, and that you said that, God, your word never goes void, but it accomplishes what it's sent to do, God. I thank you for the accomplishment. God, you said that Paul watered a pot, Apollos, they, they put the seed in and they watered, but God, you, you brought the growth. That we're just servants of you, God. And we've done everything that you've asked us to do, God, that you've asked us to speak, God. 
And so I pray, God, right now that you would just set that seed and that water down into the heart of the people, the heart of their minds, God. And that, God, you would bring the growth. We just want to be your servants, Lord. That you would bring the growth of that, God, over their lives, God.